Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bad is back. This time... I'm not sure I'm getting the clearance to come into the initiative. I've been thinking about the world. Like vampires. Take a stand and say that. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this one. I struggled with that one a little bit. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> Wrong accent. This is London Fog beer, not Irish beer. Oh, um. Good eye, mate. That's better. Actually, that, that's it's more Australian. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it's still a little better. Hello. <laughs> or uh, did you say hello? No, no. I said hello. <laughs> but that's close enough, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, or better yet, oi, fucker! <laughs> Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. <laughs> I like that open more. Yeah, I approve. You know, really just. Just starts off with exactly what you're going to be getting out of this. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, today we are reviewing season four, episode 12, A New Man. But first, we have messages. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to our next installment of Crystal Sam's Messages. <laughs> I, wait, no, that's I think um, I think that's the Wheel of Fortune theme. I can't use that. No. <laughs> All right. To be fair, I don't think you were doing a very good job of it, so we're not going to get sued. <laughs> On that note, we sorely need a new composer as well, if anybody's interested. If you're familiar with our podcast and our transition music, we really just need new transitional music. Our composers are busy doing other shit. And they're, yes. they're not into the techno remix thing anymore. They're too cool for us. But we're still going to compliment them at the end of every episode. Well, and ben, Ben's mostly been focusing on his piano playing and classical music. Have you and seen how long his hair is? He's clearly too cool for us. <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking with it. Anyway, let's hear Crystal Sam's epic three-part narrative to rival Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Hi, Rex. Hi, Josh. I'm once again driving, but sitting in slow, crawling-ass traffic, which is mostly where I love to listen to your podcast. One of these days, I promise that I will actually stay home and listen to it and get drunk as fuck and then call. Um, but if it makes you feel any better, you know, I go home and, and have of the booze. Probably a little too often because of my area of chosen work is horrifying and I need to drown out the horrors that I've watched all day. Um, yes, I was driving to the Midwest for the holiday with family, <laughs> not to stalk you guys. <laughs> you self-centered pieces of shit! <laughs> In a completely opposite direction, I was driving specifically to Indiana. So not Michigan, but um, I'm probably familiar with a lot of the beers that you guys drink. Beer with Buffy. You guys actually used to talk about what beers you were drinking 
Like, that should be a thing. Do that thing. Us fucking elder millennial hipster pieces of shit love our craft brews and we love, you know, binge watching fucking 15 year old goddamn TV shows <laughs> on streaming services because we don't watch anything new because the world is horrible and we need that lovely comfort of living back 15 years ago. Damn, I got real dark. It's been a hell of a week. I don't know what to tell you. So, Sam was the most androgynous fucking name you could think of. Shit, Josh. I think that's the right one. I don't know. Whatever. Fucking correct me. Um, <laughs> fucking, I can think of other ones that are actually, actually androgynous. Um, River, come on now. River Phoenix, River Tam. <laughs> I would be extremely honored if it would be River Tam, but I'm not that badass. I don't know how to handle a sword, which is a fucking shame. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself, um, as a good, proper Jewish girl should be. Um, Hush is amazing. You guys had some really great trivia. Um, that was fucking cool. Um, the two guys that um, played the gentlemen, by the way, one of them's like really well known for only being in SFX makeup. I can't remember which one it is because I'm driving and I'm not going to Google that shit. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up before I fill up another fucking voicemail. Okay, so I missed some things and now I'm home and... I am three shots in and most of a beer. So there you go. I'm I'm finally drinking and calling. Are you happy? I'm not I'm not drunk though. I'm tipsy though. So, you know, it counts. Oh, and and, and as far as um fetishes and collectivizing, I I'm going to put my vote down now. I do not want to be part of your brain fetish socialism. Politically, I'm there, but leave my fetishes out of it. That's my vote. You're fucking welcome. Bye. So, Crystal, you find yourself stuck in traffic, and who would you turn to but little old us? And you keep promising that you will drink of the booze. Luckily, you're on your way to Mordor, and it will, uh, well, we know how this story ends. Yeah. And you made it? And you finally got your ass drunk, but we're going to touch on things in order. So, uh... so as far as why we stopped talking about the beer we drink, this is a two-part thing. So, part one is we noticed a lot of podcasts focus way too much on the booze that they're drinking. Hey, today we're drinking uh, this beer that nobody's ever heard of and nobody really cares about. <laughs> and so that's that's a big part of it. Had Josh and I really thought this through when we started this, we would have probably come up with something else besides beer with Buffy, just because (laughs) beer with blank is a very strong podcast trope. It is. Yeah, we would have, you know, I don't know, done our research. (laughs) Uh, The other reason why we kind of stopped talking about our beer is we had kind of an unwritten rule for a while there where we only drink Guinness for the podcast because we had a handful of episodes in a row where particularly me got way too drunk. I tried to edit around it, guys, but see if you can pick out the episodes where we're a little too smashed by the end of the episode. It 
gets slow. That's my only hint. <laughs> yeah. A lot of craft brew beer is really high alcohol content. Guinness is only, what, 4.5 or something? Yeah, 4.6, I think. Which is still really high compared to other countries' beer. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I worked at a liquor store for a while, and this girl from somewhere in Europe, I don't remember where, basically, they thought it was really funny how we have light beer and not light beer. And they were like, what's the difference? And I was like, oh, well, you know, the light beer is a lower alcohol content. And they're like, holy shit, the lower alcohol content is still higher than our normal alcohol content back home. (laughs) I was like, really? So we're just a bunch of flaming alcoholics is what you're saying. She was like, yes. Yes. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) But uh, anyway, on that note, today we're drinking... London Fog by Shorts Brewery. It's the first time in a while that we've grabbed a new beer. We normally just drink Guinness or one of our other old go-tos like Fat Tire or... Yeah. So the description of London Fog is English-style brown ale brewed with Earl Grey tea, natural vanilla flavors, and lactose. Tea? Earl Grey. Hot. Yes. But the beer's cold. All right, all, all right. Tea, tea, Earl Grey, cold, in my ready room. Actually, uh, put beer in it. That's, yeah, make it a brown ale. Number one, <laughs> number one in my ready room. New plan, we're no longer trekking through the stars. We are now officially a distillery. We're only making Earl Grey flavored beer. Beer, Earl Grey, hot. Fuck it. <laughs> I must say, this this is a very fucking good beer. Anyway, no, I just love doing the Picard voice also. Yeah. That show's coming out soon. It's going to be amazing. Okay. It's um, out right now. Like today? It aired yesterday. Excellent. We need to have a watch party. Indeed. Uh, something about uh, 15-year-old TV shows. I mean, I don't know how often you make a habit of it, Crystal, but... Uh, this is the only 15 or... Oh, wait. No, I am watching West Wing and Charmed also. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Hey, cheers. <laughs> um, God damn it, Crystal River Sam. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to come up with a properly androgynous name for you. Mainly, you seem to be under the impression that I was trying. <laughs> so, mistake number one. Next tick mark on the list, uh, you said something about being ashamed. Uh, you should be. You're a bad person, and you should feel bad. <laughs> uh, thank you for bringing up Doug Jones again. I think Amanda brought that up last week as well. Yes. And, yeah, she mentioned that he was in things like Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy. And, yeah, I noted, I looked up his Wikipedia. He's in so much shit. He's currently in Star Trek Discovery as one of the main fucking characters. Oh, shit. Commander Saru. I watched the first episode of the Star Trek Discovery. I didn't like it. Yeah, I heard there's a rash of white males that don't like it. And I that don't... isn't why I didn't like it. Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> thinking that the whole time. I'm like, it just doesn't feel like Star Trek. Exactly. Mainly, it was kind of the... They were doing this camera motion thing. And I was like, okay, I get it. They're in space. You're going to make me get motion sickness. Anyway, I'm holding out. I'm going to watch the rest, and I'll get back to you on uh, how I feel about Star Trek Discovery, because I do love me some Star Treks. And uh, 
Yeah, thank you for finally calling back drunk, because the rest of your voicemails, you were not nearly drunk enough, but to be fair, you were in traffic, so that is okay. Yes. And no, that doesn't make us happy that you're drunk now. That's not how this works, Crystal Sam. <laughs> we don't get happy. Hap, 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 happy. We just continue to give you shit, because that's what makes us happy. You're welcome. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. You are keeping up your end of the bargain on uh, on owning this segment, though. Like, yes. Um, that being said, we're not going to be making a habit of doing a voicemail segment every week. That's too much. Yeah. And next, I don't really see what your problem is with socialism. We will assimilate your fetishes. <laughs> Resistance is faculative. So that's a word I just looked up. Um, <laughs> it actually means optional, incidental, conferring privilege. <laughs> So there's that. <laughs> Resistance is not futile. No means no. If you think about it, fetishes are faculative. I suppose you're right, Rex. Well, we'll assimilate it. That's the point here. <laughs> you will be assimilated. We've assimilated you into this podcast already, and you didn't even know it. Yep. <laughs> Time for a mom synopsis? Joshua! What are you doing, Joshua? Obviously, my transformation into a Fjarl demon has nearly come to fruition. <laughs> Joshua, you know I don't know what that means. Rawr. <laughs> what is a feral demon? It's a wild rawr. I thought having adult children was going to be easier, and <laughs> you would make money and take care of me in my old age. Hey. Having a fjarl demon for an adult man-child is kind of a retirement plan in and of itself when you think about it. <laughs> I don't think I like where this is going, Joshua. <laughs> yeah, this could get really dark if I wanted to go there. Are you threatening me, Joshua? So on today's episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer... <laughs> wait, how would you take that as a threat if you don't know what a fjarl demon is? I'm just poking holes in my own writing now. <laughs> On today's episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Giles is a man after my own heart. His urge to kill is rising based on the fact that he's literally been transformed into a demon by a man who used to be his best friend, but is now his bitterest enemy. And somehow Joss Whedon saw fit to write a prequel retrospective, impossible futuristic, thinly veiled metaphor of my own current work and social life. 20 years ago because he's just that fucking genius he has godlike foresight that's all i'm saying so it's buffy's 19th birthday willow throws a surprise party giles is feeling insecure and then later he has this epiphany about something that he probably researched at another time where this demon was about to rise and he says oh shit we need to go take care of this demon but he can't find buffy because riley has taken her to the initiative to meet Walsh, this time not as her professor, but as the leader of the initiative. And Giles goes to Walsh, knowing that she's her new favorite professor, trying to find Buffy and develops very quickly a newfound hatred for Maggie Walsh because she can be a bit abrasive. But not being able to find Buffy, he runs off and he finds Willow and Xander and he says, come with me. We need to go make sure that this demon doesn't rise and kill it or something. They're like, Oh, it's pretty clean in here. Must have been the initiative. And he's like, uh, pff, who? Because Buffy never told him about the initiative. And he's like, well, fuck it. Just leave. I'm not, if you don't want to tell me anything, just leave. And then 
Ethan shows up, gets him drunk, slips something in his drink, and ends up turning him into a fiaral demon where nobody can understand what he's saying, and he's running amok around the town. Amok, 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 amok. Oh my god. Buffy and Riley are chasing him down, and the Scooby gang thinks that this fiaral demon hurt or kidnapped Giles in some way, or uh, worse yet, killed him. Giles ends up having to team up with an unlikely partner, Spikey Spike, in order to save his own ass. And it works out deliciously. They end up in a big fight. Buffy recognizes Giles' eyes. They force Ethan to change him back. Riley takes Ethan to jail. Buffy and Riley make sweet, sweet, crazy strong babies. Probably. I don't know. They didn't show that part, but I'm assuming it happened. <laughs> and that was the episode, basically. I think you're reading a little too much into that ending there, Josh. In your endo. That doesn't even make sense. Sure it does. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. Competition is a beautiful thing. Cold <laughs> open to Buffy's dorm where Riley and her are making out on her bed. Yeah, and I was reading too much into it. No, they're actually, like, it's on the fucking screen. They have so much pent-up goddamn sexual tension, and they don't even have a good place to bang. You can't tell me that they did not keep that hotel room after Ethan was gone. Huh? Huh? Who would want to sleep in that hotel room? Magic fingers? Hey, when you're horny, you don't care. I care. (laughs) I always care. Okay, if you say so. Anyway, not that I would know. They expect no interruptions. And, you know, they immediately get interrupted because that's how the humor of the show works. Yeah. That's called subversion. Actually, at this point, it's called a running gag. Yeah. Because we see it coming a mile away. Subversion is supposed to go against your expectations, but now we're expecting it. So fucking change it up, guys. Uh,. Willow busts in the room, not Kool-Aid Man style, mind you, just like Kramer style, actually. I think she was, yeah, she was thinking about the Kool-Aid Man, but she had just watched an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. And so she kind of jitterily skid into the room. Um, Willow says that there's some sort of thing that went came in through a window, and Riley's like, is it a vampire? And it's like, no, because it breathes fire. And, and it's gonna eat you, and it's bad. You need to follow me right away to the now in the emergency that is this. The most unbelievable part of this whole sequence here is there is no circumstances where Willow is this good of a fucking liar. Yeah. It has been very well pre-established that she cannot lie. But yeah, so Buffy, uh, understandably, so she walks in, everybody's like, surprise! And it's, so only like an eighth of this group is the actual Scooby gang. The rest of them are just complete fucking strangers to us. 
Well, they all live in the same dorm, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it wouldn't be that. Hey, free cake, guys. I'm in. I don't know. The last time they invite, the last time they invited a bunch of strangers to a party for Buffy, they all turned into fucking zombies, right? <laughs> so, well, these guys almost got stabbed in the fucking heart and shot with a crossbow by Buffy. Because why the fuck would you ever have a surprise party for the fucking Slayer? Yeah, seriously. And Giles even points that out in a moment. He's like, I. I I wouldn't have gone with a surprise party. I think you have enough things jumping out at you. I love the concept of surprise parties. Okay. I love my birthday. Sure. I would love to have a surprise party. I have never had a surprise party. I see. I don't you, think many people really have had a surprise party. I think it's just a TV and movie trope. Yeah, I'm sure. But like, God damn it! I want a fucking surprise party someday in my Freaking life. See, I really don't care about my birthday, but I would also love a surprise party, I think. I think that's the problem. I care about my birthday, and I want to celebrate my birthday, so I'm always setting something up. But also, if you hit me in a bad mood, I would be pissed. Right? Well, it could go either way. I mean, recently, like, you could interrupt anything, and I'd be like, fuck your booze. <laughs> Let's go. Anything's better than sitting here alone yeah. being productive. But anyway, after the big surprise moment, Willow says to Buffy, guess you won't be killing anything tonight after all. And Buffy looks at Willow and says, don't be so sure. <laughs> you cocked blocked them, Willow. You cocked blocked them. <laughs> they were going to get busy. Yeah. And you do not get in between that. They will kick you across the room. Could you imagine what terror would be wrought upon the person who stops Buffy from getting laid when she really wants to? That is an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked me that. And the answer is no. <laughs> Opening credits. <laughs> so Anya, Xander's trying so hard to train her to play nice. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he's doing a decent enough job. Yeah, no, he was he was like, Anya, we've talked about this because Giles was trying to tell some story reminiscent of a room back at the school, <laughs> back in his teaching heyday that this reminded him of. And she's like, bored now, I'm going to go eat. No, I think he was actually talking about when he was a student in public school. Oh. Even further back. Yeah, wow. To the fucking Stone Age. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I uh, once I caught up to a prank with the dartboard or something. After Xander's like, you're being rude. And okay, continue. Hopefully it involves Trickle and a headmaster. <laughs> have you ever had Trickle or a Trickle tart? I have not. But I, I had to look up what uh, Trickle is. And it's basically just syrup. Yeah, treacle is a type of syrup, but a treacle tart is a tart made out of this syrup, and it's like the most caramely caramel thing ever to caramel. It is so fucking good. Well, that sounds lovely. It is so fucking good. Fun fact, Harry Potter's favorite dessert is a treacle tart, and so my friend Emily, who is a huge Harry Potter nerd, for her birthday or Christmas, I can't remember which, I decided to make her a treacle tart. I recall this. And it was really fucking good. Yeah. And if it wasn't so fucking expensive... I wish I'd gotten to try that. It was really good. But Giles didn't care to tell his story anymore. He was a little turned off by Anya's 
weirdness. And he was like, go eat. She was like, okay. And then the epicness of Buffy introducing Giles to Riley. Yeah, about that. Buffy's really been a bad friend to Giles lately. Yeah, he's been really getting the short end of the stick, which is why I really like this episode. It was it was due time for a good Giles episode. He really needs the goddamn magic shop, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's coming up real soon, isn't it? I don't know if it's this season or not. I feel like that's a season five development, but we'll find out. Riley brings up work, and Giles is very self-conscious about that right now because he's unemployed, and he's, you know, Buffy's an adult. He can't really play the, hey, I'm your watcher card all that much anymore. Right. He also can't tell anybody that he's her watcher. Yeah. Or was her watcher. I guess he's not her watcher anymore. She doesn't have a watcher. He's been fired. She told the council to go fuck themselves, so he's really just hanging around at this point. But so she stops Riley dead in his tracks and he's like, hey, Giles needs cake. Hold on, though. When she introduces when she introduces Giles to Riley, she says, Giles was my high school's librarian. Oh, I've seen the library. It's really gone downhill since you left. <laughs> yeah, that was clever. That It was really clever. Yeah, especially <laughs> I didn't even catch at the at the time he said that, that he was just there last episode. That yeah. just occurred to me. Derp. Derpity derp. Welcome to Derp with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. And derpity herpity derp. Join in. Come on. Narf. Narf. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do today, Brian? <laughs> Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Drink way too much beer. Or just the right amount. Whichever. Yeah, one six-pack does it. <laughs> and so Buffy brings up Walsh for some reason. She's like, oh, she's like the smartest person in the world that I know. And Giles <laughs> oh, is like, oh, well, maybe you should have invited her to the party. And she's like, oh, no, she's like 40. She doesn't want to hang out with a bunch of kids. She's got better things to do. <laughs> and Riley comes back at, with perfect timing. He's like... Here's your birthday cake, because <laughs> what could make you feel more emasculated and infantilized than birthday party anything? So, fun fact, Giles, in this scene, is 46. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Um, this, scene, this episode aired in 2000, and he is 46. Anthony Stewart Head is 46, and... Is he? He's the same age as the character canonically yes. is. Yes, that's handy. They're, yeah, I I thought they were differing, but they aren't. I was grateful to find that they were both born in fifty four. Okay, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't sure. I I felt like either the character was slightly younger than he than the actor, or vice versa. I couldn't nope, remember. They they are the same age, which is nice when that happens, but. The idea now, as a man who's about to turn 36, hanging out with a bunch of fucking 19-year-olds? Fuck that. Yeah, that really sounds terrifying <laughs> at the age of 46. Oh, my God. Um, Just... A short bit ago, I was hanging out with a 24-year-old, and the whole fucking time, I was thinking, (laughs) what the fuck? 
this person is a child. <laughs> right? And while that is a completely legitimate response to this scene, I couldn't help but... I just kept thinking, Giles, stop being self-conscious. You're just old. Deal with it. Go have some sex with some other old people or some weird young people with an old fetish and get over yourself. To be fair, his orgasm buddy from the Hush episode is gorgeous. <laughs> it irks me a little that you're using Anya's term orgasm buddy with very, <laughs> with very little irony. Well, I mean... <laughs> I personally like the term more than fuck buddy. <laughs> it's it definitely needs to get worked into casual conversation it, more often. It has more class than fuck buddy. Orgasm buddy? That's totally a fucking valid title. That spurs a conversation about sex ed and not about being a fuck boy. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. There's a classiness to orgasm buddy. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, has a wind. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunwater. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. What? A desk. So then from there, we cut to Xander's Xander's erotica dungeon. I was hoping we could leave that behind. Nope, never. Damn it. Okay, well, now that Spike (laughs) is leaving. Now I really can't fucking wait till Xander moves the fuck out of his parents' basement. This is the last time I can call it Spander's Erotica Dungeon, because I don't think Spike ever comes back to Xander's basement. Right. So just let me have it. So, yeah, Spike is moving out, and he's stealing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So what? You're shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. (laughs) That's just a good line. Good job, Ben, picking that out for the opening sequence. Thank you. Um, Oh, you're right. That is in the opening sequence. Yeah. My favorite bit of this whole fucking scene, though, is Anya tries to give Spike Xander's lamp. (laughs) (laughs) And she's not necessarily wrong. She's like, oh, but it's traditional to give a gift to a friend who's moving. And Xander's like, but he's not a friend. We sure as hell don't give evil vampires my lamp. Right. (laughs) But honestly, Xander, just get rid of the lamp. It's a piece of shit lamp. I can tell that. (laughs) It's that same lamp that everybody goes to college with. It's very similar in quality to the lamp that is directly over your shoulder, Josh. Yeah, it's the one that you can walk into Walmart or Ikea and walk out with without paying for it. And they'll offer you more of them. (laughs) To be fair, the one that I have that's very similar to that was $16. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think Anya just has a lamp kink. (laughs) (laughs) Giving away Xander's lamps makes her very horny. Anyway, I, I would only accept that if she give tries to give away a lamp in any other future instance. <laughs> Fair enough. I will take that wager and we shall see. So something, something, something. The subject comes around to Buffy. Spike is, for some reason, kind of sad that Buffy's not there to see him off. Oh, Xander was like, all right, now I'm going to kick your ass. Don't make me get Buffy. And he's like, oh, yeah, where is the Slayer? Anyway, she didn't want to come say bye. But no, Xander's like, no, she is dealing with someone who's actually scary. Still scary. Yeah. (laughs) He loves poking at that because he knows Spike's insecure about that. And cut to Walsh. Walsh. (laughs) 
in Walsh's office, um, we discover that uh, Professor Walsh is mistaken. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, Rex has not suddenly developed a lisp. No, it's just a really good pun because Walsh is like, we thought you were a myth. And Buffy says, oh, you must have been myth taken. Marwids. It's what brings us together. My favorite part is that nobody responds to her pun at all. <laughs> it's just taken in stride. Well, they're they're far too left brained folk. Oh, yeah, that's fair. They're like, you said the word wrong, Buffy. Did you know you said the word wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so apparently Buffy is on the way of getting clearance by the government to be able to talk to and enter the initiative and all that shit. And yeah, why not mix mystical powers and government spending and weapons and shit and technology? I mean, if you look up enough conspiracy theorists, that they're all, the government's already doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right? <laughs> but the golden gem of this scene is Walsh brags about Riley having killed how many? 17 demons and vampires. Oh, boy. Oh, my. Zippity doo dang daddle. So, I did some research. Did you crunch the numbers on I how many I crunched some numbers <laughs> you have a realistic number of how many vamps she's dusted it is an estimate because the Buffy wiki page does list all kills excellent so you could very well go episode by episode and add up how many kills per episode and make an accumulated list but what I did find was the total on-screen kills of Buffy for the series, which is 215. That counts demons, vampires, humans, and a robot. So, <laughs> 215. Then I took that number and added up the number of episodes, specifically Buffy episodes, that Buffy shows up in. And averaged it out to she kills... 1.48 things per episode. So, the estimated number of kills that Buffy has made, on screen only, mind you, to mm. this point in the show, yeah. is 105. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you think about it, though, it's got to be way the fuck more than that. Oh, absolutely. Estimate that maybe she kills one a patrol night an extremely conservative estimate i was gonna say an extra three per episode honestly so, or three per patrol night yeah so she has been hunting vampires since she was 15 and she turns 19 this episode right uh-huh so there's four years let's say from age 15 to now she kills an average of three vampires a week on some nights that we see her patrolling she kills two or three mm -hmm. if she kills three vampires a week at age 19 she has killed 624 vampires 
That's not counting demons and giant snakes and robots. But Riley's killed 17. (laughs) But, you know, to be fair, he's also not endowed with supernatural powers. The look on Buffy's face, though, I really kind of wish that she just spouted off a number and they actually, like, gave her a death total. Yeah. And, like, somehow she just fucking knows how many things she killed. But honestly, if you've hit 600, you stopped counting a long time ago. I think she definitely (laughs) stopped counting a long time ago. And they didn't want to do the math, probably. (laughs) But, hey, I love to do the math. You're just a freak. I'm not a freak. I'm a fucking nerd. Eh. Tomato potato. (laughs) What? You heard me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on to Giles's apartment. Yeah. Where this crazy old fucker is dusting. It's <laughs> man, that's that's wicked. Okay. Like, like that is some get off my lawn rager shit right there, man. To be fair. I bet he was on acid. To be fair, <laughs> look how many fucking books the man owns. Do you have any idea how much dust books collect? Approximately as much as everything else. I have a bookshelf that's full over full and i already have to dust that shit i have maybe like an eighth of the fucking number of books that giles has in a room right (laughs) and they're all ancient tomes and shit yeah so giles is dusting and he glances at a book that he's dusting and he has an epiphany he's like um oh uh oh he does that thing where he opens the book and opens it to nearly the exact page he needs because he only flips like a couple of pages he only has to flip through like two pages exactly but yeah this must be what life was like before google calendars what a nightmare am i right (laughs) like damn i meant to remind myself about this rising of the demon prince bavain but i didn't say if only i'd had a smartphone that hasn't been invented yet Right? <laughs> so the quote is uh, the, something about the third new moon after the 900th feast of Delthrox. Oh, crap. I'm really disappointed that he didn't say, oh, dear. Oh, as per usual, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls up Willow. He's like, no, we can't wait for Buffy. Where is she? And cut to... Uh, on campus where Riley is chatting and getting to hear the tale of the Slayer. Yes, lazily strolling through the fountain area. Feeling a little inadequate. Yeah, he's definitely got some Buffy envy here. (laughs) Yeah, and Riley, no, you absolutely could not take Buffy if you tried. No, no. Under any circumstances. We'll get there, though. Yeah. But I have a quote from him. Because uh, Riley's surprised to find out that saving the world is a weekly thing, almost like someone has a TV show. <laughs> um, Who knew? But he says, and I quote, when I saw you stop the world from, you know, ending, I just assumed that it was a big week for you. It turns out I suddenly find myself needing to know the plural of apocalypse. Yeah, that was a good one. Fun fact, the, pr- the plural of apocalypse is apocalypses. Huh, that's boring. Yeah. It's not apocalypse. No. I prefer apocalypse. Apocalypse. There it is. Apocalypse. No, it's apocalypses. It's just like eclipses. Multiple eclipse is multiple eclipses. Semantics. Yes. 
exactly semantics. That is the entire fucking point. It is semantics. Yeah. And if I say it with a mocking tone, it makes you sound wrong. And that's my favorite thing about it. We close out the scene with Riley saying, I'm not even sure I could take you. And she turns it into an innuendo. In your endo. <laughs> and you <laughs> there said There you go. And you said it didn't make any sense. Before it didn't make any sense because <laughs> I didn't say innuendo. The implication was there. Do you want to read her line? Well, that all depends on your meaning. And you're damn right it all depends on your meaning. Giggity. And we cut scene there. We cut scene there because they went and got busy. <laughs> because that that wasn't so much an innuendo as an invitation. <laughs> Doing the dirty thing. Uh, uh. I don't know. I got how, how, How's it go? Brown chicken, brown cow. Brown chicken, brown cow. There we go. Let's get it on. <laughs> I've lost my mojo. No. Sorry. Wrong voice. Yeah. Oh, um... Yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> and you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate of the face of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate of the face of the world. There's a lot more with that. Yeah, fantastic day. Birds singing. Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. Uh, cut to Walsh's office. Where... I actually, with this scene, had forgotten that Giles didn't know anything about the initiative and didn't know that Riley was part of the initiative. And I was really fucking confused at how this scene played out because, like, it made no fucking sense to me. Yeah, she doesn't know that he's Buffy's watcher or what a watcher is, for that matter. He doesn't have a clue that she's part of this underground commando thing exactly let alone the leader of it so i thought that actually made this scene intriguing because it, it just had the extra layer of he doesn't know that she knows that buffy is who she is and she doesn't know that he knows that buffy is who she is and but they do know these things about each other and they're butting heads immediately and, oh this is fantastic well, and see, that's the thing, though, is I did not realize yeah. at the time of viewing the scene that Giles didn't know. So this scene was mainly lost on you. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Like, it was just like, what the fuck are they being such dicks? Yeah. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, I expect Walsh to be a mean, cruel person, but damn. Yeah, so Giles was like, I think it's best if you let a young person find their own strengths. If you lead a child by the hand, then they'll never find their own footing. And Walsh says, and if it's true about hiking, ergo, it must be true about life. And I'm like, ouch. I mean, way to counter the point, but why you got to turn this into a, a fight so quickly, you know? I mean, yeah, A, Walsh's comments about like, lack of father figure was very well aimed on purpose it was i th well i think she had a right to feel slightly intimidated because giles walked in there being all puffy chested about oh buffy is my former student i was her librarian and i'm her friend and well, no, the entire fucking ex the entire fucking exchange here is all predicated on the fact that Giles said Buffy thinks very highly of you and she's quoting you all the time and she's starting to sound like a textbook. 
And he said that fucking line, and then she took offense. And then that started the fucking brain pissing contest happening here. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I guess I didn't uh, really try to trace it back to the origin of what made it, as you said, a brain pissing contest. I like the visual there. No, Giles was inadvertent in his rudeness. Walsh was not. Yeah, that's fair. But he did kind of step into her territory and start somewhat throwing his weight around about basically her favorite new student. And she has absolutely no idea who he really is or where he's coming from with these statements. So it makes sense. It did seem disproportionate of a reaction, though. Yeah. But yeah, she really wraps up the scene... She's very subtle about the way she attacks Giles, too. She subtly corrects his verbiage about calling her a girl instead of a woman. He's like, oh, how dare I use my own term? Sorry. Uh, and I'm like, eh, he's, you know, she's trying not to infantilize her students. And that's good on her. Two things there. A, yes, great, awesome. I fucking love the stance of don't call her a girl, call her a woman, because that is one of my major peeves of our society as a whole, of using girl to mean adult women. But secondly, Giles has known her since she was a girl. Yeah. And he really is an excellent father figure for her. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he is. And which is why he's talking as if he is one, but still using the term friend and librarian instead of mentor and watcher. Yeah. Which we all know to be the real case. Anyway, very well aimed, as you mentioned earlier attack on Giles, Maggie goes straight for the daddy jugular. (laughs) (laughs) The daddy jugular. The daddy jugular. She says she's... I'm giving you a clap on that. I like that one a lot. Excellent. The daddy jugular. She's very self-reliant, independent. Giles responds, exactly. She's like, which is not always a good thing. I think it can be unhealthy to take on adult roles too early, What I suspect I'm seeing is a reaction to the absence of a male role model. And he's like, oh, 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 how dare you? You can't. I mean, you can't. They're both right. Yeah. She did have an absence of a male role model. But but it wasn't Giles. It wasn't Giles. It was her father. Yeah. Giles did an impressive job of stepping into that role. Absolutely. And yeah, of course she took on way too many adult fucking responsibilities. She got, quote, blessed as the slayer at age fucking 15. You know, here's the world on your fucking shoulders. Time to do a jig. Yeah. It was fun to watch Giles go from Giles just trying to get some nominal information and help Buffy by, you know, having a nice conversation with somebody she looks up to and seeing that instant transition of him being like, all right, it's on. (laughs) This just became a rivalry. The response that he gives, I thought was lackluster and not up to par of what I think Giles is fully capable of. He could have done better. She overreacted. It was still fun, I thought. Next scene. Cut to the graveyard at night as Giles, Xander, and Willow are checking out a crypt. Duh, Scoobs. That is not what I expected you to say. I was thinking you were going to say the crypt. Oh, because you know they're in a crypt. Well, that's more fun. Yeah. 
the crypt. Because <laughs> we haven't seen I, the prawns I, in a while. Way too long. Way too long. It's been a minute. So Xander, Childs, and Willow are bickering. I forget about what. It doesn't really matter. Let's go kill a goddamn demon. Yep. They they go in and the place is too clean. Dun, dun, dun. Willow drops the bomb. She's like, oh, it must have been the initiative. Yeah, they must have cleaned this up days ago. And oh. Giles is like, what? Who? Who? Where? What are you talking about? Twat? Come again? Twat, you say? <laughs> I couldn't hear you. Let me finger it out. <laughs> oh, that is such an old, awful joke. <laughs> I'm almost sorry. <sighs> You're never as sorry as you really should be. I know. That's why I'm highly inappropriate. <laughs> Here to make you laugh while you're at work. When you're really self-conscious about it, you're welcome. This is when Giles learns that the initiative is a thing. Riley is of the initiative and everybody knows except him. Yeah, even Spike. And that's <laughs> the one that really sets off Giles. And, you know, I think he's right in that count. Like, Spike knows and Giles doesn't. What the fuck? <laughs> and, oh, and maybe Professor Walsh. Professor Walsh! That fish wife. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but that sounds really vulgar. Right. <laughs> Can we get away in? Because I just don't want to Google it right now. Yeah, please. Somebody tell us what the fuck is a fish wife. <laughs> I feel like I should be offended on Maggie Walsh's behalf. Right. <laughs> Her fish half. But my favorite part about is, this whole is, thing... Does it mean she's a mermaid? I'm just imagining no. her flopping around. <laughs> Riley, oh, why am God. I half of a fish all of a sudden? I loved how Giles just loses his shit here. Um, he's like, <laughs> what? Well, that's just marvelous, isn't it? And you can really hear his real british accent in the sentence because he sounded a lot like hugh laurie i forget that he's not actually using his real accent yeah through this. he's using a very different regional british accent that's more proper and you know makes him sound you know more educated and what's the word distinctive or all that fancy shit but this and i'm i'm no expert on british accents but oh god no but just from watching all kinds of British television and I saw this skit by Hugh Laurie and, you know, it's on a bit of Fry and Laurie with Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie, the guy that plays House and House. You know, he does an amazing American accent. He does. But he's extremely British. And I could have sworn it was a Monty Python when he was doing the sketch because just this one spot, he's like, well, that's just marvelous, isn't it? <laughs> and here I am, spent weeks trying to uh, get a single scrap of information about our mysterious demon collectors, and no one bothers to tell me that Buffy's dating one of them. Who else knows? <laughs> Just holy shit. You sh know, everybody knows. Yeah, everybody really dropped the ball on this, mostly Buffy. It was really and Buffy's Spike job. Spike didn't drop any ball. He shouldn't have to drop the ball. He can't drop the ball because he's evil. Yeah, it's not... 
at all expected of Spike to do anything good. And it's really yeah. still an anomaly that they're treating him with any amount of deference. But yeah, my entire favorite part about this scene, though, is how it ends. Giles sets up to like, oh, well, we I guess we better fucking prepare to see if this demon comes anyway. And then Willow and Xander don't really want to stick around. He's like, okay, fine, you can leave. And they leave. And he waits like three seconds. Three fucking seconds. He's like, oh, bugger this. And he he leaves. Immediately after he leaves, a dark figure steps from the shadows and is slowly revealed with his dramatic, dark, brooding soliloquy. Dun, dun, dun. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that at all. In fact, Ripper old mate, I'd say something rather interesting was about to happen. And then Giles comes back and he's like, is someone there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck, I thought you'd gone. (laughs) (laughs) He says, oh, bugger, I thought you'd gone. If there is any character in the entirety of the Buffyverse that really needs to read the list of rules for overlords <laughs> it is fucking ethan rain god damn it yes well most of them but definitely ethan rains he's just such a twat and then and then i love i love giles's line as soon as he sees ethan he's like ethan rain you have no idea how much thrashing you is going to improve my day <laughs> yeah I was like, yeah, I feel that. I feel that, too. Yeah, sometimes you're just like, hey, an excuse to beat the fuck out of somebody. Thank you so much. Buffy, you made some bad choices. You just might have to live with some consequences. This isn't over. If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor. Ethan Rain wants to talk. And so they run off to a bar. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No. So Giles starts like, he's like, I'm going to fuck you up. And Ethan's like, no, but if you fuck me up, I can't tell you everything that I need to tell you. And he's like, eh, start talking. <laughs> and so they go to the bar and the the bar scene opens with Ethan chimes in with brilliant. Now, isn't this more fun than kicking my ass? No. <laughs> Yeah, and Giles spends this whole scene looking like he's chewing his cud. Yeah. While Ethan waxes cryptically about something scaring off the demons. and So Ethan starts telling Giles about how there's some thing affecting demons and they're, they're getting all scared and angry and... There's someone on the wing. <laughs> there's some... Thing <laughs> on the wing. So have you seen the meme for the, the Oxford comma versus the walk-in comma versus the Shatner comma? Of course I have. My favorite thing is just that there's a comma after every word for Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's something <laughs> on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ethan is telling Giles about some weird thing going on in the world of demons and they're afraid of it and it's killing people killing people killing demons and it's this big unbalancing effect throwing off the balance of the underworld he said something about the number 314 yep i didn't really catch what exactly he was saying 
that's all he says. They're like, they're afraid of something they call 314. Yeah. And I was like, wait, that's not Spike's designation by them. He's like no. 97 or 17 or. Well, he yeah, he's like hostile 17 or some shit. Yeah. Like anyway, so I was really surprised that Giles was willing to drink alcohol around Ethan yeah like, i think he's just at a point where he's like you know what my life sucks fuck this <laughs> as we see in the next scene when we cut back to the bar but first cut to the sparring gym <laughs> or wherever the fuck buffy and riley are oh this makes me so happy so they're working out all that sexy frustration on each other they're sparring and riley's like don't hold back i won't hold back <laughs> oh riley because they end up in this <laughs> hold position that's really just a hug riley it doesn't fucking matter one bit if you hold back but we all need buffy to hold back otherwise you are going to fucking die which may or may not be a problem later i don't know we'll see We'll see. We'll see how our opinion of him changes. So he gets but, ninja kicked across the room. And yeah. I swear that shit should have broken a rib or at least like knocked the wind out of him. I, in my notes, I wrote Buffy kicks Riley's ass through the air and into a wall. It was padded <laughs> at least. Yeah. Luckily for him. Oh, man. Can you imagine the kind of bruise he has on his chest? No. That would be that would hurt so much. That sounds awful. <laughs> Riley, wear fucking pads. Don't be a dumbass. Wear protection. He clearly has absolutely no frame of reference for what the Slayer actually is. Exactly. And has absolutely no appreciation for her strength, which is kind of the point of this scene. He's starting to really figure out, or this whole episode, he's starting to really figure out yeah. how big of a badass she really is. Yup. Cut back to the bar, where things have escalated a bit. In terms of drunkenness, I want to just say that Anthony Stewart Head very effectively plays drunk. Like, I really felt it. Yeah, like, it's it's a th one of those things that all actors have to do at some point in time, and it's really easy to overplay and make it stupid. Right, he slurs just enough because he sounds like he is slurring his speech, except he's trying to not slur his speech. But. I also felt like both of them were, st even still, although it was accurate, I felt like they were really overdoing it. Like, they must have been 10 shots in to be that slurry. I suspect that Giles was, in fact, that fucking drunk. It's That's entirely possible, because he's, he's pretty depressed, and we know, as established in previous episodes, he will hit the bottle from time to time. Yeah, Ethan's being a fucking creeper, and he's like, oh, you're rather attractive. Here's my number. Why didn't you give me a call later? <laughs> Ethan, rule number one, Ethan. Rule number one, your waitress does not want to sleep with you. Douche. Yeah, Giles <laughs> is over here spilling the fucking beans about the initiative right? and Maggie Walsh, and it's like, dude... Like, okay, you really have no loyalty to them, but I would still, you know, not divulge all of this information freely to one of your worst enemies At right now. At the very least, you don't want your enemies to know what you know. Knowledge yeah. is fucking power. That is correct. I really enjoyed the gag that comes up here. 
<laughs> Giles is like, the world has passed us by. Someone snuck in and left us a couple of has-beens in our place. This initiative, I mean, the methods may be causing problems, but they're getting the job done. Where am I, an unemployed librarian with a tendency to get knocked on the head? Well, Ethan replies, we won't have to worry about that anymore now, mate. When you went to the loo, I slipped in a small pellet of poison in your drink. You'll be dead in an hour. I love the dramatic... The pause, yeah. Dramatic music rises. Dun, dun, dun. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, we need to fuck up this initiative thing. Yeah. And I really feel like Giles should have been able to hold his liquor better than this, but he also could have just been... Many shots deeper than... He's also just really fucking depressed, and I doubt he's drank that much lately. He probably hasn't fucking gone out in a while. Yeah. And then we got fucking Ethan over here trying really hard to appeal to his past with Ripper, and there being sorcerers and creatures of the night, and to magic and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're just such a transparently manipulative little dip. I like the only reason he's even giving you the time of day right now is because he's lonely. Yeah. And we cut to Tara's room. Speaking of lonely, they're not lonely. They have each other. Oh, right. The viewers or the listeners cannot see my eyebrows dancing at the moment. No. Do we need to come up with a sound effect for your eyebrow waggle? I just did. (laughs) So, listeners, anytime you hear that noise, that is Josh waggling his eyebrows. (laughs) So, that's Willow and Tara um, trying to raise a rose and rip its petals off. And destroy um, them because it'll excuse be beautiful. Excuse me. Gently pluck. Gently. I'm sorry. They're trying to gently pluck the petals. And I did like how, like, Willow is like, we're going to, let's do this. Let's go. And Tara's like, uh, what are we going to do? Do what? <laughs> so they're trying to float the rose. And they do. And then all of a sudden it just goes fucking whack-a-doodle-doo and flies all over the place and then lands back in their little magic circle uh, smoking. Smoking. And And the petals are missing. And as Tara says, well, you know, it worked. Kinda. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) I'm dating. I am having serious dating with a werewolf. And... I'm studying witchcraft and and killing vampires. It's like a drug. Cut back to Giles' apartment. The next day. The morning after. Giles is a very special kind of hungover. It's... (laughs) You you have to be a special kind of hungover to be able to do the walk of shame in your own house. (laughs) (laughs) I can comfortably say I don't think I've ever been that hungover. (laughs) But he's staggering down the stairs where he has a mirror on the landing of his steps. I think that's an odd place for a mirror. He sees himself in the mirror. He's a demon now. Yeah. And then he starts accidentally breaking absolutely fucking everything. Everything. (laughs) He punches a hole in the wall without trying uh, crushes the phone, tries to put his shirt on, rips it in half, 
and then he's he just throws a blanket over himself and he doesn't say anything about who he's running off to find but i assumed he was gonna go to buffy's house or wait no because she's he wouldn't go to buffy's house because he knows she's living in her dorm and he wouldn't go straight to campus right so okay um but he runs out the door and rips the door off its hinges accidentally yep which that makes so much goddamn sense because if he already if he all of a sudden had such a ridiculous influx of strength he would not be able to understand how to handle that yeah no i thought it was a great take on what if you suddenly became a demon like demons have this super demon strength that's why the slayer needs to be superhuman strength especially fiaral demons apparently they're super fucking strong by nature yeah that's like their job man yeah plus mucus <laughs> cut to breakfast where buffy and willow specifically buffy are talking the merits of various breakfast foods she likes pancakes because they're stackable but she likes waffles because you can fill them with stuff are you a waffle or a pancake man josh God, I love both. It's so hard to choose. I mean, she's absolutely right. You know, I think I would have to go with uh, waffles, but pancakes are so much easier to make. They are. I choose waffles solely on the grounds of I like crispy. Yeah. I legitimately will get cravings for crispiness. It's bread covered in syrup. You can't go wrong. You can't. Buffy noticed that Willow didn't come home last night either, and Willow promptly lies to Buffy. Like, she's very lie in this episode. Yeah. Lying her face off uh, about where she was. She didn't lie about the Rose thing. She just omitted that Tara was there. Which, why is she... That makes no sense to me. It's not like Buffy would be like, oh, you having a gay mance? <laughs> no, she'd be like, that's great that you made a friend. Exactly. And that's a friend with a mutual fucking interest, for fuck's sake. Absolutely. Buffy would be so happy for her, I think. But yeah, she, Will, Willow suggests that there was some sort of, like, background interference, dark energy interference with her spell, and that's why it went all haywire. Even though they didn't really hint at that in the previous scene. Yeah, I I can't figure out what they're trying to chalk this up to or where they were really going with it. It felt a lot like a red herring. Yeah. But I guess I guess that they were trying to imply that the magic that Ethan used to turn Giles into a demon like permeated the area that is Sunnydale with black art magic, and that might yeah. have affected things somehow, shape or form. Sure, but it doesn't to me seem like the spell involved would have been big enough. It doesn't really track, but it gives Buffy and the Scooby Gang something to latch onto without figuring everything out too quickly. Exactly. So. Buffy's like, oh, I should tell Giles or maybe Professor Walsh. And Willow, to her good nature, sticks up for Giles and is like, no, maybe you should talk to Giles. And because Giles has been feeling very out of the loop lately. And like, you need to be a better friend to Giles. Yeah. And Buffy promises that she'll make it up to him tomorrow, right after she spends the rest of the day hanging out with Riley. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Willow's response here. And she said, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's what you always do on the days when the earth rotates. <laughs> <laughs> that was also one of my quotes. So, oh, it's a good line. It's a good line. Cut back to Xander's erotica dungeon. It's not Spander's erotica dungeon anymore. Right. Makes me sad. No more Spike. Hold on. What's the Xander Anya coupling name? Um, Zanya? Zan- I think it would have to be Zanya. Or, yeah, because... An- Ander does not work. Anander or Ander... Anyander... Yeah. I would have to go with Zanya. Zanya. Like lasagna. Yeah. Mm, mm, lasagna. I could go for some Zanya. Wow. <laughs> 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 um, can I omit the z part of that? Because I don't want any Xander. I really don't want any Nicholas Brendan in, No, in involved fact, straight in that for Nicholas all. Brendan. You just, you have to get through <laughs> Nicholas Brendan to get to Emma Caulfield. How are you going to do it? What's uh, your game plan? A sniper rifle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a bit dark, I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a, you throwing out death threats here on Beer with Buffy? No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Moving on. We're going to edit that out. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing that out. <laughs> so Giles shows up shocked and appalled that Xander is still asleep. Oh, Giles. So naive. <laughs> Tries to wake Xander up, but it turns out that while Giles thinks he is speaking English, he's not speaking English. He's speaking demon speak. Yeah, he's he comes out very snarly and guttural, snorting gibberish. And Xander, rightly so, freaks out and starts throwing pans at him. Yeah, like you do. And Giles is like, no, it's not mum. Now, when you look at me, well, this is before he wakes up. Uh, you may be a little alarmed, but there's no need. It's, it's me, Giles. Now, Ethan has turned me into a demon and I need your help. But, you know, pans. Yeah. So cut to outside where Giles runs across yards in broad daylight in a residential area <laughs> with his cloven hooves. Did you notice the cloven hooves? I did. That was an impressive th- bit of detail that they didn't really touch on otherwise. Yeah. Like even when we see him running down the street in a moment. Anytime we hear the sound that the sound effect they added of him walking, it sounds like cloven hooves. Uh-huh. So like that Definitely, they were putting in that little extra effort. So he's he's scaring children. It's pandemonium. And, and he's like, bloody humans. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, cut to Giles's place where Buffy, Willow, Xander, and Anya, shall we say, the Scooby gang. What? This is the really great moment where it's all four of them combined. With their powers combined, they are the Scooby Gang. Yeah. They find that Giles' apartment is destroyed. And they assume the worst. Yeah. I I liked that Xander's like, oh, we better look out for a demon with a saucepan-shaped bruise. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was throwing pans at him. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwarts and true. Bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. Uh, we always 
to feed them and save the day. No one ever dies and everybody lives happily ever after. Liar. Giles is sauntering through the graveyard and wanders past Spike, of all people. And he's like, oh, fuck this. God damn it. Now I have to deal with this asshole. And he's like, hey, I see you there. He basically starts to pick a fight with him, and Giles is like, all right, uh, let the fighting begin. And wait, Giles? Wait, am I speaking English? No, actually, you're speaking Fiaral. I just happen to speak Fiaral, which, how convenient is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I like what Giles says here because he's like, oh, we need to find Ethan Rain. He must undo this. And then he needs a good being killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That was a good one. Anyway, he gets Spike to agree to help him. He's like, why should I help you just out of the goodness of my just out of the evilness of my evil or something? I'll pay you $100. And he's like, oh, you're going to have to do a lot better than that. 200 Oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Spike undersold himself. He could have probably hit for four or five. I was going to say he could have squeezed him for a grand easy. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But oh, yeah. It's hilarious to me that this means Spike really has no concept of what money is worth these days. Right. Yeah, hey, I'll, do, I'll hey, do it for a buck. The man needs money to outfit his crypt. He does. He was just begging Xander for money as he was leaving earlier. Cut back to Giles's place where the Scoobies are looking through some books to try and find the demon. And then Riley shows up. And apparently we learned that the initiative tracks 911 calls. Yeah. Handy that. Very expository scene here. Yeah. Filler as far as I was concerned. Cut back to Giles' car. Hold on, there, there is one quote. One quote from Xander to close out the scene. Basically, they're talking about how if Giles were here, he would be able to help them figure out what demon it was. Sure. And Xander says, yeah, he'd be great right now. He'd find himself in a second. Nobody is cooler in a crisis. <laughs> Cut to Giles not being cool in a crisis. <laughs> what? They never do that in this show, Rex. Exactly. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I think they've done it like the fifth time now in this episode. Just in this itself. episode. So Spike and Giles crammed into a tiny car. I'm sorry. Spike and Giles as a demon crammed into a tiny car is the perfect recipe for comedy. I just have one logistical problem with this scene. Excuse me, but what the fuck? Spike can't drive stick? Seriously. First off, Spike was there when cars were fucking invented. invented. Yes, he was. He was around during the whole process of learning how cars function in the first place. And automatics would be very new, much like computers. If he, he fucking used a computer in a previous episode, just fucking fine. Yeah. Also, he, what I don't know what make and model his other car was. But I think it might have been a stick shift. Right? I don't remember. I don't remember either, but... Somebody call in and weigh in on that. Our number is 269-743-0783. <laughs> Did Spike drive a stick shift? We're not sure. Yeah. Uh, this and is, we're too lazy to do the research ourselves. It seems much easier instead of Googling it. <laughs> God, I have to pull out a phone and type it in when I can just breezily talk into a microphone and then spend eight grueling hours editing it and coming up with a 
a synopsis for the episode and then posting it, which depending on where I am, the upload can take <laughs> a good solid half hour. And then I have to wait for you fuckers to call me back, which may never happen. God damn it. All right. It's just more fun this way. That's all I'm getting at. Speaking of phone. <laughs> yes. Cut to the next scene where immediately after they figure out what demon it is. Riley has a cell phone. Wait, we didn't actually talk about the the scene in Giles's car. Oh fuck, I I completely skipped the Walsh scene. Yeah, uh, it's too good. So Giles is asking if he has any special powers, and <laughs> Spike, we can't really tell if he's being sarcastic or not. It's like, oh, you've got um very powerful mucus. It's like uh, poisonous or something. <laughs> well, it apparently it like hardens on contact, so he, like the Fiaral demon can like shoot mucus out of their nose Ugh. and like harden around their foes to like get them stuck in place. God, that sounds awful. But so, <laughs> right? so Giles is uh, is worried about his rising desire to mindlessly destroy things and and or people, while Spike urges him to go with it so he can live vicariously through him. Very Spike of him. Spike, 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 Spike. <laughs> and Giles, uh, oh yeah, Giles is is like stop, stop the car. Hold on, I I have his line here because I loved it. Okay, because he's, he's going on about like I have a soul, I have a conscience, I'm a human being. Oh, stop the car! <laughs> Spike stops the car. Giles jumps out of the car, sees Maggie Walsh, and chases her down. Just going a boogada boogada boogada, basically. <laughs> and then runs back to the car, gets back in, closes the door with a fucking smile on his face and says, Right, let's go then. <laughs> <laughs> Best part of the episode. Hands down. My favorite bit, though, is you can hear Spike laughing off screen really yes <laughs> and it sounded so perfectly genuine oh i missed that i gotta go back it's it's this low-key chuckle it's fucking perfect it's so perfect <laughs> no i think spike is very much enjoying himself here and yeah. <laughs> so yeah then just fucking priceless cut back to giles's apartment yeah they find in a book what demon it is and hey Willow confirms that the mucus was not sarcastic. Yeah, it's a real thing. Spike knows his shit. Who knew? And then, surprise, Riley has a cell phone, and I think this might be the first real cell phone we have encountered. Cordelia had one. Oh, yeah, you're right. And I'm pretty sure it was real. So, yeah. They have a cell phone. That could change everything. Still, they, you know, they weren't particularly common. And it's supposed to be like... Well, it's because he's military and they've got right. rich military money. Right. So Riley relays to the rest of the Scoobies that Maggie Walsh was chased by a demon who got in and out of a specific car. Perfectly matches the description of Giles's car. Exactly. Xander says, why would a demon steal a car? And And, and then Anya rightly replies with, why would a demon steal that car? Yeah. <laughs> Why would anyone steal that car? I wouldn't. But they figure out that Fiaral demons can be killed with a silver weapon. Yep. Buffy grabs a supposedly silver letter opener from Giles' desk. Cut back to the bar where I guess Giles has led Spike there so that they can question the waitress because he remembers that... 
Ethan gave her his number like a creeper. I love how he describes them. Spike says, two chaps, like English like me, but less attractive. Yeah. <laughs> that was epic. And she's totally into Spike. Oh, yeah. Of course she is. I, who isn't? Yeah. But she's like, oh, no, I took one look at where he was staying. And I was like, fuck that rat's nest. I'm sorry, but that is not why she turned him down. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's because he was old. I mean, Ethan and neither Ethan nor Giles are unattractive, but Ethan is very spindly. He's not spindly. He's wiry. Wiry. Sure. Lanky, <laughs> if you will. Gangly. Gangly. That's the word. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, Spike squeezes out of the waitress very quickly, giggity, that Ethan <laughs> is staying at this shitty motel not that far away. Cut to the magic shop where Buffy kicks in the door and Riley's like, you didn't really need to do that. I have a fucking key for that door. She's like, oh, Oops. noted. Next time. And she finds a receipt immediately tracing back to Ethan. He's like, I don't know, even know what we're looking for. She's like. I do. And then Riley very, very mistakenly thinks that he's going to not take Buffy along on this little venture. And let me say, Riley, you are horribly, horribly, horribly mistaken because I dare say she is not the tag-along friend. You are you the are. fucking tag-along. You don't get to pull <laughs> rank on the Slayer asshat. You're not running this operation anymore. Nope. She's the big guns, and you're along for the ride. They say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? Cut to the car where Spike and Giles discover that they are being followed. By Hummers. Hummers. Back Actually before Hummers were consumer marketable and smaller yeah actual hummers not douchey hummers they're like a fucking car and a half width uh-huh they're fucking huge real hummers are fucking huge obviously like you see it and that's like that is a military fucking vehicle right <laughs> that could run over my car and keep going and then go huh what was that <laughs> <laughs> so giles's transformation is coming along nicely and spike's yeah. like how you feeling mate and he's like <laughs> <laughs> like snapping necks until everyone is dead dun, dun, dun. <laughs> now that sounds like a fjall demon good for you <laughs> fucking spike embrace your inner demon there giles <laughs> seriously but they st they're getting followed and giles is like you gotta you got outrun them and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jump out of the car and they'll follow you and let me get away spike says i've got it floored why did you buy this car <laughs> <laughs> i missed that no my favorite part of this scene was Spike's like, no, I might need you here, mate. Uh, it'll help me. I might need extra strength or something. And Giles is like, I'll give you an extra hundred dollars. Cut to <laughs> Giles getting his way. <laughs> yep. And leaping out of the car while Spike leads them away. God. <laughs> Jumping out of a moving car sounds like it is the most painful thing one could ever experience. Possibly. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if you roll properly, it might not be that bad. 
Oh, I I can't imagine it being good in any way, shape, or form. But you know, with his super demon strength, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's fucking fine. Yeah, but <laughs> Spike's like hundred dollars. Do you know how many packs of smokes I can buy with that? <laughs> right, <laughs> like twenty. <laughs> That'll last me twenty days. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, cut back to the motel, Giles. Busts through the door like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so Ethan points out that he can't fix Giles if Giles kills Ethan. I I have a question for you now. Now that we're at this scene, what the fuck was Ethan thinking? I really don't know. What the fuck logic? I'm going to take this person who I know wants to beat the shit out of me and turn them into a very scary, very strong, can rip trees from the ground and use them as bats monster. This will be fine. I think Ethan changing Giles. Sorry, I don't have a canonical way to answer your question. So which is forcing me to revert to what the writers were fucking thinking, which I think Ethan was an afterthought excuse that they latched onto when they decided we need to do something to Giles that is a metaphor for how he's feeling. And that makes per that makes sense. But yeah, like Ethan, you're a dumbass. Yeah, that is an <laughs> absolutely ridiculous thing to do to Giles. I don't know if he thought that he was gonna get killed by either the initiative or buffy immediately because he's a demon and he can't talk to people i guess but yeah giles is throwing ethan around and then buffy and riley busts in the door or rather come in the door because they can't bust through a door that's already been busted through i mean they're not a large glass pitcher of kool-aid after all right but immediately ethan's like look it's a demon kill it Kill it, I dare say. Kill Kill it. it. Kill it dead. Kill it with fire. (laughs) Or silver, in this case. Or silver, whichever. Uh, Quick cut back to the car where Spike gives a good chase and surprisingly manages to somehow lose the fucking soldiers and then immediately discovers a wall. Yeah, well, (laughs) and of course it's because he's back talking at the rear view mirror he's like yeah suck on that mates oh brick wall anyway oh goodness a wall uh, oh as usual dear <laughs> <laughs> cut back to the hotel room where there's uh, some fighting going on riley's fighting ethan while buffy fights giles and buffy gets giles straddled and stabs him right in the fucking chest with the letter opener. And immediately recognizes Giles's eyes. Aw, it's so special. And she's like, oh my god. Oh my god, it's Giles. And she's like, are you hurt? And he's like, no, I'm fine, really. Actually, I feel quite all right. It was <laughs> weird. I was like, wait, can she suddenly understand what he's saying? I don't think that was the case. I think it was just like a... a coincidence that they were saying things along the line, same lines as each other. Yeah. Well, like, how fucking everyone can understand an, a vague idea of what the fuck Chewie in Star Wars is saying because sure. of context. Or, you know, how we can get along with cats and dogs. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it, God knows Edgar doesn't use real words, you yeah, asshole. Seriously, use your words, you fluffy fuck. But, yeah, Buffy's like, uh... Is this thing real silver? 
Yeah, apparently <laughs> not real silver. No, apparently not. And and then Ethan's line, last line of the episode uh, that I wrote down was, I've really got to learn just to do the damage and get out of town. It's the staying and gloat that gets me every time. <laughs> You think? <laughs> so Giles is looking at himself in the mirror, and he's wearing one of Ethan's shirts. And I swear to God, Ethan shops at Magicians R Us. Um, excuse me, but Ethan shops at the same store that Xandra does. <laughs> right? California Douchebags R Us? Yes. Okay. Just the shiniest, zigzaggiest, weirdest shit. I mean, Xander's more like... I'm a surfer dude, but I don't surf. Whereas Ethan is very much, I'm about to do a magic trick at you. That'll be $50. I got it. The store that Ethan shops at is the upscale version of the same franchise that Xander shops at. Okay. Like, have you ever seen those kind of stores where it's like you have a, a store that's like this, you know, normal store. And then they like decide, oh, you know what we need? We need an upscale version of our store hmm. and it's the same shit but it's slightly better i can't think of any actual fucking examples but they exist i promise i'll take your word for it i have no idea what you're talking about that's very interesting excellent <laughs> so um ethan smugly declares that buffy can't touch him because he's human as riley <laughs> says but we can take you to jail fucker yeah fuck you uh giles is like he says how did you know it was me and buffy replies with your eyes you're the only person in the world can look at me that annoyed <laughs> yeah doggosh so ah, turns out riley loves authoritative women which is very nice I think he's a little too fixated on wanting to be able to kick her ass, but right. she's kind of into that. So, hey, um, as long <laughs> I, as it's consensual. I did like that Giles was like, well, if you don't mind, I'm just going to go outside and watch them manhandle him into the vehicle. Yeah, which is perfect. And uh, the Riley Buffy babies are on their way. <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> Hoorah. And cut to Giles's place, where Giles is proclaiming the fascination, amazing new technology that is the speaking tube, aka the telephone. You see, <laughs> if anyone has information I need to know, they could uh, simply <laughs> tell me about it through this ingenious speaking tube. I'm very excited. <laughs> It's a series of tubes, you see. <laughs> no, that's the internet. I know. <laughs> uh, well, the internet is basically just telephone lines. It's literally yeah. the same series of I am, tubes. I am aware. Alrighty. <laughs> so, Giles cautions Buffy against getting too comfy with the initiative. <laughs> and she goes, uh-oh, you have butt face. <laughs> uh, and he's like, excuse me. It's the look on his... <laughs> She's like, you look like you're about to say butt. And then he does. Yes. But this initiative, I'm a little concerned. Uh, Ethan's not exactly a reliable source, but I'm not sure that he's wrong about them. Yeah. And then we cut to the initiative where Walsh is chewing Riley out for the fact that Buffy being there just completely negates the rules. 
Yeah, but essentially she's giving Riley the same spiel that Giles just gave to Buffy. Yeah. Like, you need to be careful. I kind of liked, though, that when Walsh is like, oh, so just she comes into the picture and the rules just go out the window and his response is, yeah. Basically. I mean, yeah. She's a completely other level entity that we have not been able to, as of yet, take into account. And Riley is confident that Buffy is going to work out. And Walsh is like, yeah, I think you're right. And then immediately goes into a secret fucking room that we discover is room 314. Yeah, two sets of super secret doors, mind you. Right? Super secret secret That's secret That's doors. how we know that it's fucking important. Yeah. Thank you very much. Gerarg. Ger fucking arg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength, strength. Give, 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 give me more! Night, I shall give, walk give, in here. Hold on. You've got something here. Yeah. How'd you feel about the episode, Rex? I... It was good. I found it entertaining, but really that got nothing out of it. Uh, it, was, it was like cotton candy. Yeah. I enjoyed that we got a pseudo buddy cop moment between, or it was more like buddy bad guys with Spike yeah. and Giles. And Giles needed the adventure. Yes. Absolutely. Other than that, like you said, I couldn't really give a fuck about this episode, but I did find it memorable. I even referenced this a long time ago on another episode of. You did? Yeah. I was like, isn't there an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where Giles gets turned into a demon? And you were like, yeah, that sounds familiar. Well, here we are. It happened. If you're binging the show, give us a call at 269-743-0783 and remind me which episode I said that on, because I'm probably never going to listen back through this whole series contiguously, and it's a lot of shit to sift through. If anybody wants to get to work on a Beer with Buffy wiki, that'd be great. Oh, God, please. (laughs) Josh, what's your quote of the day? My quote of the day for the sake of simplicity, is Giles when he says, bloody humans. Because <laughs> I can relate. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. What's your quote of the day, Rex? Um, mine's definitely the exchange between uh, Ethan and Giles where Ethan's like, brilliant, now isn't this more fun than kicking my ass? And Giles is like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Also good. Yeah. Cool. As a honorable mention, I almost chose stop the car. Snarl. Alright, we can go then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yes. That is our honorable mention for the episode. Honorable mention, absolutely. It's excellent. Alright. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, review us on iTunes. Dear God, please review us on iTunes. It not only gives us all of the warm and fuzzy tribbles inside of us, slowly causing us to explode with ruptured intestines, but it also helps us be more visible to other people who may not have found us yet. If you'd like to help support us financially, there's a multitude of ways you can do that. For instance, head on over to store.beerwithbuffy.com where you can buy t-shirts and mugs and hoodies and shit or 
Alternatively, you can just give us your money that we will spend immediately on alcohol at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. If you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns, please shoot us an email at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can always also leave us a voicemail or a text at 269-743-0783. As always, a grandiose thank you to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for all of our closing, opening, and transitional music. By the way, we're on the market for a new composer because both of them are no longer part of this podcast, but we are still using their music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. I'm way too drunk for this beer. Good shit, though. Good shit. Very good shit. Number one in my ready room. <laughs> Tea. Earl Grey. Hot. With beer. Number one, take a number two. Just, <laughs> just, just make it beer with Earl Grey. Tea. Hot. Or cold. I don't care. Get me drunk. This is the voyage of the Star Trek Enterprise to Captain Picard's liver. Directly into my liver. You lily-livered bunch of pricks. done why are we watching this <laughs>